Oh my lord. Yeah. Yeah. Back in it. Back in it deep. Back Dude. in it. I am. Dude, this, this is the this is the way we need to do podcasts. Just you and me at like eight thirty in the morning. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I feel like I I'm, set my alarm. I'm rolling for a podcast. over. I know. I had to set my alarm too. Normally I have uh babies waking me up, but I'm on the road because this is day two. Of I think thirteen games in thirteen days over two sports. Um, wow, thirteen games in thirteen days. Yeah, holy shit, Burger. So as you and I talk, we're talking on a Tuesday. So last night was game one of the NLCS: Braves and Dodgers. Braves won, yep. good game, five to one. Uh, so Tuesday's game two, Wednesday's game three, Thursday's game four, Friday's game five. Saturday's game six, obviously those last two are if necessary. And then on Sunday, uh, I joined Troy and he and I fly to Tampa Bay to do the Bucks against Green Bay. And then I then we go after that game up to Buffalo to do the reg the rescheduled game between Buffalo and Kansas City. Then I fly back to Dallas, do game one of the World Series, game two of the World Series, fly to Philly, do Philly and the Giants on Thursday Night Football, then back to Dallas and do games three, four, five of the World Series uh, next weekend. So however many games that is that I just rattled off in however many days that is, it's uh, it's it's looks – I've climbed wow. Kilimanjaro in my life. I feel like I'm uh, <laughs> at the base of Mount Fuji right now. Well – I feel like you're earning all of your money in two weeks. I agree. <laughs> this is it. You know, I mean, this is the push. Any guilt I had about, and and I, you know, I, I got some of my salary taken out during the pandemic uh, and the shutdown, but any guilt I have, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, this is, this is kind of extraordinary uh, with, and, and, and here's the thing. All that that's going on can be just totally snarled by more positive COVID tests because these mm-hmm. NFL games, I think last week they ended up rescheduling eight games. So, you know, as they reschedule, it could add to it. It could take away. I don't know. But it's everything is so friggin' fluid right now that I'm just kind of going day to day. I know. I know. Well, you know, baseball had a hit like in the beginning remember teams were getting it and then it was this idea that oh they'll never finish the season and of course they got it together and they did hopefully football is the same the same the same thing happened yeah I, I think it's 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 tough um you can obviously and I believe certainly in masks and social distancing and Everything else, it's a heck of a lot easier to socially distance in baseball than it is in football, uh, as they're smashing into each other and breathing, and you know. Yeah, but aren't they allowing? Aren't they? Aren't there fans now in, in in baseball? Well, where we are, we're in Dallas, so uh, that's uh, the other silver lining on this is that all the baseball games that I'll do are in and out of Dallas. So uh, it's Texas; they're allowing basically eleven thousand fans a game. So it's. 
it's the first time these players have played in front of fans all year, and uh, that's been nice to see. And and then a lot of these football stadiums are slowly opening back up. So yeah, fans are fans are that's involved good. even in baseball. It is. It it just it 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 like we said way back then. It it was just a signal that you know maybe there's a corner that's being turned. Although you know if you flip on various news channels, they'll tell you that. Uh, there are spikes and you know another rise in COVID cases. So I, oh, you yeah. know, but you're right. I mean, I thought baseball was doomed when the Marlins had to sit out, the Cardinals had yep. to sit out each for a yep. couple of weeks. It's like, well, they're not gonna. This is just gonna fall apart. And here we are, one game into the NLCS, two games into the ALCS, and knock on wood, I don't even want to finish the sentence. No, I know. Well, you know, NBA. They were in the bubble and they had zero cases. That's pretty good. It's amazing, and and that's you know. the thing, you know, to to go through this without a bubble, you're bringing in, and now now baseball is in a bubble. Uh, these teams are quarantining, uh, but the NFL isn't, so that's the hard thing. So you you there's a lot of elements with family and I know kids and friends, strip and, clubs, yeah. Yeah, one of the San Diego <laughs> Padres, uh, after they were just eliminated, got stabbed outside a strip joint uh, last night. Oh, he's doing fine, Jesus. and his statement was he's going to return to his training uh, uninterrupted as soon as he heals. So uh, that was <laughs> that was part of his training, I guess. Uh, well, now that we're on sports, I'd just like to congratulate my championship Lakers team. Did, you know. did it feel? And it's mine. Did it feel great? It is mine because I I won. Yeah, I know. Congratulations! I, I bought a piece. I bought a piece of it. Oh, yeah, from Jeannie Bus. Oh, that's what you were talking about her, or talking to her about. I, I didn't realize when you. I, oh God, we've been emailing. You know how much did you cool. get? Like I got one share. Okay, that's it. If you give me one share of the Lakers organization. So you're going to be in the media guide going forward. You are in yeah. owner's parking. I'll be doing most of the drafting um, for next season. And then I'm just sort of the court gesture. Basically, I just shoot T-shirts out of a gun. I like that. And then you uh, <laughs> you perform mid-court uh, during all timeouts. Yeah, yeah. No, I do scenes from Rules of Engagement. <laughs> center court <laughs> well you can pull them all in they're all out there looking for something to do spade i mean i watch his instagram he's he's watching like caterpillars yeah. hump on the sidewalk so uh, he's so he's, funny man he is he's so funny he, is he the driest human being of all time dude he is and he just makes me laugh i think he's he's in my top five i know that's a crazy thing to say i know that might be biased because he's my he's my man but like he just fucking makes me laugh. There's something about him that just tickles my funny bone big time. Along those lines, did you see Bill Burr's monologue on SNL? Oh wow, yeah, dude, that was gnarly. That is a f- <laughs> that is a fearless human being. Crazy. First of all, he's Crazy. working to less than a full crowd, so you That's you really have hard. to hit. Yeah, you know, I would think that you're you really got to go with mainstream. I'm getting a laugh from every person in here, otherwise it's going to sound like nobody's laughing. Yeah, but he didn't give a shit. He's like, I'm just going to say, do my thing. Yeah, you know, see where it lands, thuds or not, and then you just could feel 
that tension when he would say some of these jokes and you're like, oh, man. But he just powers through. Do you think he knew? You know what I mean? Do you think he's like, okay, I'm going to go do this and I know I'm going to get some, it's going to be, oh, man. But he's like, fuck it, I'm doing it anyway. I think he is so smart and so aware of of where the politically correct needle sits on a week-to-week basis. I think there mm-hmm. is no doubt he went into that, and and that's got to be really unnerving. I mean, you know, we had him on here, and I just think the guy is so brilliant and so yeah. thought out, and so you know, his, his ability to use the English language to his advantage, I, I think, mm-hmm. is is what sets him apart. There's not a lot of ums and ahs. There's not a lot. He just he's got a great vocabulary. He makes you think with some of the words he uses, and then for him to sit there the night before going, "I'm walking a tightrope tomorrow night on live TV." I assume they have to approve to some degree what they're going to say. Yes, but he could walk out there and say anything he wants. You know. So why do you have such an issue with ums and ahs? Like it's funny. I know it must be because you're in the booth or something. Because you, you have a problem with prepos- prepositions or what is an um or an ah? I don't even know what that is in the English language. But you, you have issues with that hemming and hawing, don't you? you that's because you feel like I judge you. On- no, you, you, say it, you say it all the time, whether you think about it or not. Because I do have little words that I put in to give myself a second to think about what I'm going to say. Which is fine. I know. It's just me being a, a prick, and it's me being, I would say... Don't say, um. No, See, so you didn't. You, you didn't do this. You didn't say, it's me being, um, you, you refrained from that um, and you just kept a little beat between sentences. That's on purpose? Do you, are you conscious of that when you speak? I'm totally conscious, and and I'm totally conscious of other people's mannerisms through their speech. So when I when I watch news channels, it drives me crazy because all I fixate on are the kind of bullshit transition words that people use to stall or to take a little bit off the bite of their comment. And and that word now, the hot the buzzword is right. Wait till yeah. you if you if you fixate on the word right, you will mm-hmm. go berserk watching <laughs> news channels because they will go. Um, so President Trump, right? He's a guy who is gonna say he's gonna shoot from the hip, right? And you don't need the word right <laughs> in there. It's it's a way to like make the person who's sitting across from you nod like. I'm all right. in. I'm agreeing. Right. So, and my wife does it. I I do it every once in a while. I hear it now creeping more and more into even sports commentary. Uh, there there are other words, and I it it it's such a hot button thing with me that that I I could sit down and think about them over time. But the buzzword right now is right. Oh, I know the other one is look. They'll start every look. point instead yeah. of just saying look. it. They'll go look. This is a time in American well, that's, history. That's, that's Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden says that's his. That's how he gears up. That's like Matthew Wolf's, you know, hitch before he swings, which is crazy, by the way. If anyone even knows what the hell I'm talking about, but Joe Biden, that's his wind up. He goes, "Look, 
boom, then he can get into whatever he's thinking about. It's just a stall. It's a stall yeah. tactic. And and yeah. not not it's by Biden, by a billion people that are walking the earth or, yeah. or LA, every agent I know uses by the way. They'll go, uh by the way, can I by tell you? Can I tell you this year has by the way, this year has been like unbelievable. Okay. Look, 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 by the way, right? Look, uh look, nobody's buying look. anything and production's been shut down. By the way, this is by the a way, time where and I'm like, oh yeah, look, right? Right? Right. Look, by the way. Look, yeah, I <laughs> I mean, don't even get me started. It, it makes no, me I know, sweat. But but would you rather there just be a, a, a silence? You know, because sometimes see I just said you know. So that is my thing. I'm I always say you know. I'm sure you, you say know you know and no. you say sort of a lot. I do. Mm-hmm. Sort of, sort of. You use sort of all the time as you're I making do? a point. You'll say. Uh, try to give you an example. You'll say. So what I'm saying is, you know, this is something that you know, sort of, and you'll sort s- of. It's sort of. <laughs> It's almost like a it's almost like a hyphenated or or a contraction. It's it's not sort of. It's sort right, of sort of S O R T A. <laughs> sort of. It's sort of. Ugh, now now I now I don't know. If no, I do this I, I don't want you, you to be that way. I think you need to be you, and I need to just relax. And I I it, this is more on me. I, so when I watch these people that go on Bill Maher all the time, and they're. Mm-hmm contributing and they're sitting at the desk and i mean it's just it's machine gun fire of the word look and machine gun fire of right because they're making points did did your dad have any of that stuff or was he just super concise of of all the things my dad told me or taught me when we were riding home from baseball games it was verbal crutches drove him nuts and that's Mm. what he would call it a verbal crutch so when you listen back to your own stuff, which is really important to do if you can actually do it and stomach it, you find out if you're describing something, especially if you're doing play-by-play, if every ground ball to shortstop is smash to short, if you keep saying smash, 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 eventually the audience is going to tire of it. You got to you got to change it up. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a hot shot to short. It's a line drive, one hopper to short. It's a slow bouncer to short. It's whatever. Right. So it was just like trying to find things that are your go to that you've got to eliminate and change it up to keep it interesting. So your dad though was he did not like those fillers. Um. Yeah, he didn't. Because like my dad. My dad just told me he was the guitarist of Dire Straits. Is that right? Yeah, that's not a joke. Like he would say these things to me. Number one was that he was the guitarist for Dire Straits, which I believed and told all my friends. And then he told me that he was a quarterback for the L.A. Rams. (laughs) 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 That's not a joke. He had a, an entire Rams uniform, and I believed it. I, I thought my dad, you know, at night was playing guitar for Dire Straits, and then, you know, on Sundays, he was suiting up for the Rams. <laughs> How old were you when this uh, balloon was popped? Oh, like last year. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, 
Um, yeah, it was sad. Forty-two. Well, because my favorite song was "Money for Nothing." Yeah. Dire well, Straits. Because your right? dad played the shit out of it. My dad played the shit out of it. He's the one who introduced me to that song, and then told me that he was the guitar player in that song. Now, I will say though that I have screwed with my kids like that when they were when they were younger all the time. I have I have calloused them to to that because now that th- there's nothing that I can get by them. Absolutely nothing. I've been hitting them so I've been hitting them for since they were kids with just fucking with them, telling them things, you know, that 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 aren't true but making them try to believe things and they're no longer gullible they that's they funny have not, they have, it's funny yeah. that you say that because you and i are the same that way i i do that yeah. all the time i did that with my girls not that i was the guitarist for dire straits but uh just little things to see if they're really paying attention and if they're wise enough maybe this is why i do it to see if they're wise enough to go wait that doesn't make sense and, mm-hmm. and, and call bullshit on me. There are a few of them that I regret. One of them being my first kiss. They asked me about the first time I kissed a girl. You told them the hooker story. Not, yeah, I told them the hooker story. <laughs> I was like, kiss? And I went a little further, kids. No, it was, it was just a boring story. So I made up this story that I was playing spin the bottle and and I had to kiss this girl, and I was so nervous, and she kissed me, and then I threw up. And I, I, I created this sort of this fantasy of this first kiss or this- It this sounds beautiful. Horrible situation. And now, this was like two years ago, and now there's moments where I'm with a crowd of people or with their friends, like, Dad, Dad, tell them about your first kiss. And I'm like, oh, man, I, it's a lie, guys. This didn't happen, <laughs> but I'm too deep. Now you're contaminating other people's kids. I I remember there was somebody that I was in grade school with, and he was known as kind of somebody that would, let's say, stretch the truth. Mm -hmm. And he was, we were on a carpool thing on a field trip, and my mom was driving, and he was talking about how he was in some Broadway show as a kid that toured through St. Louis and was on stage at the Muni Opera, which is this great outdoor uh, venue that people love in the in St. Louis, if not beyond. And he said he was in, I forget what show, Pirates of Penzance at the mm-hmm. Muni. <laughs> and I, my mom's driving as we're driving out into the country to like a pumpkin patch. And I was I like elbowed my mom, but I was little. I was like, oh, oh yeah. Well, well, I was, you know, I was in Annie, uh, when, at the Muni, uh, last year, and and I had, and my mom's like, uh huh, yeah, Joe was. So she went with it, and and we, wow, she jumped in there with me into the lie just to make, you know, I tried to make myself feel better about my. Oh, uh, that's the opposite of my mom. My mom is so honest that you can't even get her to play along in a joke with you. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to say, Hey mom, let's, let's uh, prank pa or let, let's, let's do this, honey. You know, that's not, that's not good. You know, I mean, she, she is definitely 
Well, that means she she's not been burned like, over over time. Well, it's it just she doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings or yeah, that's make anyone she got feel herself, bad. She got her feelings hurt like on the set of Foul Play when the albino When guy, Chevy was doing pranks. When Chevy was doing pranks, so the albino would pop up out of the back right, of the Right, right. And Dudley Moore would just be like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh So as I left, before I left, the day before, now, again, my this is daddy issues, so this is a worthwhile topic. I feel sometimes mm-hmm. guilty about constantly talking about my kids, but that's what I'm bringing to the dance here. I My mm-hmm. kids are two-and-a-half-year-old twins, boys, and as we were kind of, I was packing, getting ready on Sunday, hungover out of my mind by the way oh you had michelle's birthday yeah that was saturday night and i was just i was wrecked all day i just i'm 51 and i just can't do what i used to be able to do oh i hate those days oh my god just a wasted day and it was my last day at home for probably the next two weeks and i told the boys the day before that i was going to be gone for a long you know for i said 13 days as if they have any concept of that. I said, I'm going to be gone for, for you know, yeah. I'm going to be gone for a while. And Wyatt, yeah. who's really emotional at times where he, he just got really quiet. We were uh, walking around the neighborhood. He goes, I want to go home. And I was like, what? oh. what's wrong? Are you sad? And then, then now I'm assigning all my guilt to yep. him. Yep. Like, are you sad? Yes, I want to go home. Mm. So, you know, he kind of, he got out of that in a minute but the other funny part was or not that funny to me yesterday blake knew that i was leaving i made sure that i was staying long enough to put them to bed on sunday night before i took off for this two weeks in dallas and when i called home the next day and facetimed which was yesterday morning monday blake ran away from the phone and will not talk to me oh which is just crushing my soul. Oh, he won't talk to me. That's horrible. Blake's that's like horrible. my little buddy, and he's he. I mean, lit, Michelle chased him down the driveway <laughs> with the phone. Come on, talk to daddy. Wish him luck tonight. Talk to daddy. W- wouldn't even say no. Just went totally mute and walked oh, he's, away. Yeah, he's he's fucking pissed. He's pissed. He's pissed. He's pissed off. You know, that's why sometimes getting into the bigger picture of all that, it's a good thing to be away from your kids, you know, as they as they grow up. Aaron and I would take weekends when they were little. They got used to the idea that we are not there all the time, so they couldn't become dependent on us. There were moments... Um, and phases where we would go to dinner and Wilder would be crying and, and like, hey, man, we're coming back. You know, we're coming back. And now we're at the point where, of course, they want us around. But if we're going to go somewhere, it's like, all right, they know we're coming back. They know how much love we have for them. And I think it's healthy, honestly, for them to experience what that is because there becomes a codependency. I think there becomes this reliance, this dependency on your parents, which, of course, we are as children. But that sort of individuating starts at a young age, I think. I, I think it's important to nurture that in a way. I don't think there's it's any kind of, doubt. I, I think 
coming out of this pandemic and everybody being shut down, it was yeah. so long. I've never been at home oh, for yeah. that long. There's going to be a lot of crying kids once everyone goes back to work. Right. <laughs> there are. And and that's been the hard thing. But I think you're 100% right. But like we've talked about before in this podcast, it's that little voice in your head like, am I screwing them up? Am I, am I breaking his little heart? And Michelle, of oh. course, who's just so great, she's like, He's just protecting himself. He's protecting his heart. That's why he won't talk to you right now. I'm like, oh, okay. she's right. That's so sweet. Yeah, but you know what? He, he, he ten more, ten minutes. He fucking forgets about it, and he's off to the races. You know, I mean, we. It's like you said, we put everything on the kids. I had an issue with that actually. Um, I had a tough time. I did rules of engagement. Finished that seven years in. Uh, I got offered this job called Nashville in Nashville. Not a lot of money at all. Like, not a lot of money. But as an actor, sometimes you just have to stay in it. You got to stay relevant. It can go away quickly. Rio was just born. She was 10 days old, and I had to leave for Nashville. And it crushed me. I consulted every psychic that ever lived. My mother was like, you need to talk to this person. This person was like, I'm in. Should I do this job? I I needed some sort of guidance. I was you consult, looking for wait, someone wait, to stop. say no. You consulted psychics? Is that what you? Oh mean? yeah, 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 yeah. We're a psychic family. I mean, we we mom has the psychics. I'm like, mom, what's uh, Maria's number? I gotta gotta have a quick chat with her today. <laughs> oh my god! And what do they tell you? I mean, as I as I look into the cosmos, I see that well, your you know, trip I mean, to everyone said to go do it. My point scar. is, we can get into the psychics in a minute because I'm I'm okay to go there, but. Uh, she, no, I, so I decided to go 10 days. Rhea was 10 days old and I was sitting in my kitchen. The car had pulled up to take me to the airport and I was hysterically crying. My family means everything to me. You know, being a dad is my number one priority as everyone's probably heard on this show. But I said, I'm, I'm not going. I don't care if ABC never hires me again. I don't care if my manager fires me. I am not leaving. I know I've agreed to do this deal. I've signed the papers. I'm not going. And Aaron was the one who said, hey, get it together. Get your shit together. Get in the car. We're going to be fine. Everyone's going to be fine. And it was hard, but the, I adjusted. Two years going back and forth from Nashville to L.A., flying my ass off how often um oh gosh anytime i got at least three days off i would go home to la and so i was just flying back and forth and back and forth um and it finally took a toll on me dude i had like some like anxiety attack and it was fucking crazy after year two i'm just so it threw me off axis not being there with my family all the time. I know some people can easily do that. I it's hard for me. It's it's not an easy thing. The longest I've ever gone is three weeks without seeing my my kids and Aaron. Well, that's because you're on that's a the longest deep sea fishing trip. No, that's ten days. I was on. I was in Winnipeg of all places. You played for the Jets, like your dad <laughs> used to play for the Jets. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But uh, no, it's tough. But hey, these are sacrifices you have to make. You know, I, I work with Jenna Fisher um, in the last last show that I did, and she had a pretty tough time being away from her kids. And we would have conversations about it. 
And I would say to her, I'd say, you know, I know it's tough, but your kids aren't going to resent you. We have this idea that they're going to be all fucked up if we're not there for them all the time. And that's just not the case. Well, it's part of the softening, like we've said before. I think back, when my dad was alive, and even to this day, he died in 02, when I was in my early 30s, I called him my best friend. And mm-hmm. we had a relationship, you know, unlike your situation, we had a relationship where we were buddies, more, much more so than father and son. And I think back to how much he was gone he was doing jobs all over the place all year round. And there were times, obviously, there were no cell phones. There was no FaceTime. So when he was gone, he was gone. And if we talked to him, if it was him calling from the broadcast booth, the Cardinals broadcast booth, they had a free phone line as opposed to him being in the hotel. Remember how nuts those hotel charges were using the phone by the bed to dial long That's distance. so funny. Yeah, I know. It's like $70 yeah. a minute. It's like, what? Uh, so (laughs) from the booth, he would call. And if I was doing stuff, I was playing sports or I was doing homework or I was out at a friend's house or I was doing whatever. So there would be times where I wouldn't talk to my dad for two weeks. And yet we were best friends. So I I think back, I'm like, wait a minute, I would be gone for two weeks. The kids are two and a half. My daughters are grown. I was probably gone way more with Natalie and Trudy and they're my best friends. So it can be done, and this is natural and normal, but it's still, when that little bastard runs away from the FaceTime call, I'm oh, like, God, God yeah. come back. I just want to see your little beautiful face and see you I smile. Know. Well, my daughter, Rio, did not like me for the first two and a half years of her life. I, I don't even know why. I, there was absolutely no reason. Maybe it's because I was in Nashville. Do you think she'll ever go but to she- Nashville? Who, Rio? I mean, do you think she'll just have a thing where she doesn't know maybe. why, but she just doesn't ever want yeah. to go to Nashville? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a trigger for her. Yeah, she just... Yeah. Oh, uh, we're going to we're gonna lay over in Nashville. <laughs> no! I don't want that! My dad left me when I was but she, But she didn't like me for the first two and a half years, and I was cool with it. You know, I was like, all right, I get it. You know, What, I, what does that just, mean, there's... she didn't like you? Oh, she she wouldn't come to me when I held her. She would not want me to hold her. I'd be like, what? I'd be like, like Ladybug or Rhea, and she'd just like run away. It was one of those. But I, I didn't take it personally. I, kids, I was my third one. So I understand phases. They're all phases. This is a daddy issues topic as well, because I think as new parents, sometimes our kids become something that we can't fucking believe. And they're two or three, and, and we're like, Oh my God! Are are my uh, is this is this it? Is this who my fucking kid is? But it transitions and changes so quickly into something completely different. So you just have to roll with it, and right. then once they start to mature and get a little older, then you can freak out that they're total screw ups. But <laughs> in the beginning, at what, at don't what worry point? about it. <laughs> when they when they when they go to Shawshank, do you just give up? You go, yeah, okay, they're fucked up. Yeah, if they're sentenced to some sort of jail term, then then you've got some issues. Yeah, you know. Otherwise, it's just um, a phase. Anything short of prison is just yes, a phase. Yes, it's just a phase. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah, I mean, think um, about uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dahmer with little Jeffrey. They thought, you know oh, what? This is just a phase. He <laughs> he he will have salad. He will have other things. This is just just this is a phase. 
Right. Don't worry. He'll eat his he'll eat his meat later on in life. Yeah. Well, I don't know why he doesn't like chicken. Yeah. Well, you know what's so funny is is Jeffrey Dahmer is someone I even talk about in this context. It's funny you even bring that up. I'm always exploring, or or not exploring, just thinking about this idea of nature versus nurture and who we are and what we become and what what our kids become. How much is it nature and how much is it nurture? I mean, it's hard to determine, right? But if Jeffrey Dahmer was raised by Michelle and Joe Buck, would he be Jeffrey Dahmer? I would, given his past, given his genetics, that's fine. But now Jeffrey Dahmer is born and given to Joe Buck and Michelle Beisner. That's a, it's an impossible question to answer. I think I would. Do you think he would eat, kill people, and eat people and stuff their heads in freezers and stuff? Do you think that would happen? Um, no, no, no way, no way. But there's got to be something in there that there was a. <laughs> There was a loose wire in there somewhere. I'm not Whereas, saying like, there wasn't. Nobody but... goes to the next level. I mean, I can see people going, I'm losing my shit. I'm just going to, I don't care anymore. I'm going to just just take down everybody. But then to go to the next step and eat mm. them, I think yeah. there's something in there genetically in the DNA code that probably isn't in Thank God, the majority of people or anybody that are actually born to Michelle and Joe Buck. Well, you know what might be a cool idea? Um, since we can clone, we clone all the great serial killers. <laughs> or not great, but... And then we, at birth, give them to various loving families and see what happens. That'd be a great show on Fox. Yeah, we should do that. Serial killer swap. <laughs> hey, it's son of Sam being raised by Ugh. I don't even know. Harry oh, and Julie oh. Freeman in St. Louis, Missouri. Right, exactly. We, we we got we got we got was it a John Gacy? Is that his name? John Wayne Gacy. Uh, John Wayne Gacy. The guy who's had 17 shows about him on Netflix. What's his name? The Florida guy? Oh, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, the Northeast or Northwest guy that went down to Florida. I should have played Ted Bundy. Huh? I should have played Ted you Bundy. I look like Ted Bundy. I mean, it was Zach Efron. Uh, like, yeah, Zach did. There's it. a whole cottage industry of people who have now played Ted Bundy. I know. Well, someone played Dahmer. Was it Jeremy Renner? I think. I think. Jeremy Renner played Dahmer way back in the day before he was famous. I think it was Renner. You know, here's the greatest career arc of all time. Everybody Paul knows Rudd. Anthony Hopkins yes. was Hannibal Lecter, right? That's yes. that's what he's known for. Did he win yes. an Oscar for that? Uh, I, I Honestly, I'm not sure. Okay. I know you're not into awards and all that stuff. Yeah, no. Uh, let's say he did. But but okay. let's say of, of a great career, that's his that's his most well known, as opposed to the remains of the day. Although I, I was will, just gonna say that, were you? I, I was just I was just gonna say remains of the day. Ivory <laughs> Merchant. Uh, yes, you're a big Ivory Merchant. Fan. Oh my God! If I want to curl up with a big bowl of popcorn and an Afghan and just cry, <laughs> point me toward Ivory Merchant. Uh but the original Hannibal Lecter was Brian Cox, who really, yeah, who who Anthony Hopkins does 
a pretty good takeoff of in Silence of the Lambs, but the early movie Manhunter. Right. Brian Cox is Hannibal Lecter, and now he's doing McDonald's commercials. Yes. Where he says, and I've been practicing this, so <clears throat> please don't. Good. I can't wait. Interrupt me. Okay. Succession is like my favorite it's show. It's so great. Succession is. Yeah. is a worthwhile watch for anybody. Oh. It's it's as good in the serious business world as my new favorite show that I tell all my friends, Ted Lasso, is is absolutely not to be oh, missed. Oh, God, I've been hearing great things about this. I got to watch it's it. It's so good. It's so heartwarming. It's so realistically yeah. written. It's so, so smart. And he plays this guy that at the beginning, this is Sudeikis, you think is this bumpkin coach that's trying to coach a – Premier League soccer team in uh, in England, and as he goes on, you realize the method to his madness, and you see the depth of his character. It, it, it's the best thing I think Sudeikis has ever done. By the way, Sudeikis is one of my favorite actors. I know that sounds crazy, but he really is because he's insanely funny, but a very great. He's a very great actor. He really. I is. just love. I love his whole vibe. He's part of the right, Go ahead. I want to hold on. Hold on. He's part I want to hear this Brian Cox. With Rudd and I want to hear this Brian Cox. City. You want to hear my Brian Cox? All right. Yeah, of course, dude. No pressure. No pressure at all. Um. Okay. He's doing a McDonald's commercial. Okay. And he says, "If your friends say they don't want fries, order them fries." Because soon your fries become their fries. Ba 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 ba. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny because I've seen these commercials and the 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 ba 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 at the end is fucking amazing. You know he it's did like, it. Oh, oh, totally. He's like, he's like, hey guys, I'm gonna throw away uh, the ba 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 ba. That's okay. And they're like, yeah, sure, Brian, throw it away. Right, <laughs> because back in the day when it first started, it was like ba 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 ba. I'm loving yeah. it. Now it's right. ba 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 ba. Like it's almost inaudible. Where the guy, like, the the engineer in yeah. the studio is like, uh, wait, he's looking around. Like, did anybody? Did he did say it? Did do he... I need to push the? Thing up. I, the director's like, that was great, Brian, but you got to do the ba 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 ba. He's like, I did do the ba 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 ba. <laughs> Get in my car. Get in my car. So he was That's in a good, he dude. was in a play with uh, with my friend Jason Patrick. Uh, they redid Jason's dad's play called That Championship Season, and Brian played the coach, and it was Gaffigan. It was uh, Chris Noth. It was Kiefer Sutherland and wow. Jason. And it was so great. And yeah. and I, I probably saw the show, I don't know, five, six times. But you, you realize you, I don't, you've never done Broadway, right? No, I've only tried to do one play one time. And it got canceled like three weeks before we were supposed to open small, tiny theater in L.A. And it was a, such a funny, it, it was a disaster. The whole thing was a disaster. Well, I, I was playing, I was playing the gentleman caller. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was a joke, dude. Oh. It was insane. Was it like in the somebody, glass menagerie? 
Oh, okay. Well, so this is Go this ahead, is sorry. an award-winning play that Jason's dad wrote. And and their schedule, I mean, it was unbelievable. We were, I was complaining about my schedule at the beginning of this thing. These guys are going night after night after night of basically three hours. Jason had to mm-hmm. fall down steps the in every show. Uh and it was just it was it was relentless and then they go out after they get off to these different bars in that area and they all have their mm. little haunts that they go to every night and i mean it, i'm waking up the next day with my head just open and mm. a headache that would kill and then they're going to do a matinee like on Ugh. on sunday i'm like oh wow it's just unbelievable but brian was the uh, was the coach, and I went out with him a couple times. Couldn't be a nicer guy. Couldn't be really a more engaging, like normal. Yeah, uh, not you know, not somebody walking around with a a scarf and assistance. Yeah, and I, he just was a nice, normal guy. But I his his work in uh, Succession is as good as oh. as anything oh. on TV. Oh my god, that whole show I love so much. Oh, I love it so much. I love all the characters. There's no one who I do not like. They're they're so every one of them so different. Yeah, it's so it's just it's 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 a it, it's a soap, right? It, you could see that show on ABC Network, just the concept yeah. of it, but it's just elevated to a place that makes it brilliant. Yep, that's what happens when you take a great soap opera put incredible creators, incredible actors, incredible writers, incredible directors behind that and just fucking crush it. I, I love it. I love it so much. My mom just finished it actually last night. She uh, loves it too. Wow. All right. Well, your homework assignment is going to be to start. If you start it, I mean, each episode's maybe 33 minutes. Yeah. Lasso. I got to watch I Ted Lasso. And it's, it's so good, like your boys will like it. And it's nothing that, you know, is, is it's, it's really wholesome. I mm-hmm. think that's what spoke to me the most. But I, I've not turned anybody on to it. Different friends, different styles, different uh, likes that they have. Mm-hmm. And, and every one of them has come back on. That is so good. So, anyway. So my in-laws are here. Brooksy. They're Brooksy and and then my uh and then um little Brooks, my uh Unky and his wife Amber. So I got the Bartlett's in Colorado and it's been fun, man. I got so lucky with in-laws. Most people don't, I don't think. It feels like almost all of my friends or most of them anyway dread in-laws no if if there were no in-laws comedians wouldn't have acts (laughs) exactly but i got so lucky because they're just the best so they're just the best so you're saying aaron is is uncle brooks is that aaron's brother aaron's brother yep older younger and uh younger than her a little older than me and amber his wife is here as well and it's just been so fun with the kids, like playing family Uno every night. We had a massive game last night. 
And Brooks and Ann, they're just the fucking greatest New England couple you could possibly imagine. They're high school sweethearts. Um, Brooks is a saint. He's just one of the great human beings of all time. Ann is one of the great characters of all time. And it's as New England as you can get. They love to drink. They love their routines. It's just, it's, it's just, it feels good. It's just super fun. Well, we learned on an earlier episode from Aaron that she's never truly heard them fight. No, they don't fight. They just don't fight. I think Brooks is a special human being, you know, meaning. What did he do? What is, what did he or does he do for a living? What was he? He was in life insurance for 40 plus years and now he's a money manager. He retired and then came out of retirement because he just, he loved it. You know, he's a wheeler and a dealer. The guy can, the guy is a seller. He, he, he goes out to restaurants and just starts chatting up people and you love him because he's just so funny and so jolly, but he's just got this ability to live life in the moment and not take on any stress it's not worth it it's easier just to sort of cope and and do do what he's got to do than it is to stress about it mm, man you know i need brooks in my life can you send brooks are you does brooks ever come you, through st you, louis what are your in-laws like oh they're great my uh yeah. my mother-in-law which is kind of funny to say now in my second marriage as i'm 51 years old like She's just another adult. She's Michelle's mom. <laughs> She's not my mother-in-law. I mean, she is your mother-in-law. I know, but that's just silly. Do you call her mommy if I'm like messing around with her, or if she if Michelle's oh, you do? on the phone? I'm like, hi, mommy. I love you. She's she's all right. She is easily the most uh, kind. Just one of these people that just doesn't have a mean bone in her body, and it's just so great. Mm-hmm. And and the cool thing is, she's she and my mom have gotten close. So uh, that oh, has that's been cool. great. And and her dad is like a man's man. Uh, I don't even know what that phrase means anymore. It's probably not politically correct, but he's <laughs> he's a guy that I uh, I enjoy talking sports with, and he's. Uh, He's good. You uh, set him down in front of a TV with the Broncos game on or a Vikings game on, really any NFL game on, and uh, he'll tell you the point spread. He'll tell you uh, who he's maybe keeping an eye on that day. And uh, did, did, Was he ever wary of you, or was he like, oh, hell yeah, honey. You're marrying – you're with Joe Buck? Shit, yes, because he's like a, a football fan. Um, or was no, he, I don't think was he, he was wary of me, but it was odd at – yeah, what was I, 40, 44, 43, to like ask Michelle's dad for Michelle's hand in marriage like we are in an Ivory Merchant movie. Uh, <laughs> I, that, I never did that. I, I didn't do that. I didn't ask Brooks. I, I, I'm so West Coast, I guess, not tradi- non-traditional that I asked Aaron to marry me, which is the whole story, which I won't tell right now, but... She's like, oh my god, and crying, and yeah, I gotta. And she's like, first thing she says, she goes, well, what did my dad say? And I'm like, I have no idea because he I didn't ask him. And she, she's in shock. She was like, what? Well, then it's not legit. Yeah, I, 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 it didn't even cross my mind to ask him. Not even cro- didn't even cross my mind. Wow. I, but I came from a weird, non traditional 
family as far as marriage went. I mean, I went through a horrible divorce and then, you know, a great stepfather who, and they weren't married. There was no asking for anything. It was never, those traditional values were never instilled in me. So I didn't even think about it, but I did call. Aaron goes, you got to call him. I said, okay. Called up Brooks. He answers the phone. Hey, pal. Hey, Brooks, I got to tell you something. What is it? Um, Aaron's pregnant. <laughs> and just so you know, uh, now that we're getting to know each other, my dad played guitar in Dire Straits. <laughs> and it was silence. I just let him stew in it for a minute. And then I said, nah, I'm just kidding. I just asked Aaron to marry me. And she said, yes. And he goes, oh, oh, pal. Oh, God. Why are you scaring me? That's great. So it was this little move I pulled to shock him. Right. Set and him then up bring for something back. horrible. And then right. anything and then else bring sounded it back. good. Yeah. So uh, if this is, if you're listening and, and you might be considering asking, you know, for hand in marriage, maybe don't. This is a lesson. Come with some shock and then present it. Why? Because it, it, it will lessen the blow. But that means you didn't know Brooks back then because Brooks did, doesn't stress anything. No, I know. Brooks well, but he's tradition. He is traditional, though. Well, you know, he's he's a traditional guy. Yeah, I. Um, so when I asked Michelle's dad, here I am standing there at forty four or forty three years old, and he's like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> I was, I, that was not the answer I was looking for. Like, what do you know that I don't know? What 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 do you, what is that a like blink once if I need to run and uh, right? What did you do it in person? Yeah, because we were, Michelle and I, and then two friends of hers from Denver, we went to see Bruno Mars at Red Rocks, and Michelle grew mm-hmm. up right out, like right there at Red Rocks. We met her dad for uh, a couple beers before we went in uh, at a local bar, and when she went to the bathroom or something, I was like, hey, by the way, uh, I'm going to ask her to marry me next week, and I hope that's okay with you, and I want to get your blessing. He's like... Uh, okay. You sure? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm sure. Sure enough to ask you. And that was it. Then he was like, "All, All right, right, of course, great, great." Anyway, uh, and then went on about that's it. Yeah, there was no like, oh my god, I can't believe you're asking my daughter. Oh, this is the greatest day. What about like, mom though? I mean, was mom happy? Oh God, yeah, she's. Yeah, if you ever feel bad about yourself, call Mary Wright. She is, uh, she'll lift your spirit. She's great. So I'm lucky. Well, that's to- good that my, uh, you know, the like you were saying, your mom and uh, Michelle's mom get along well now. That's that's really fun when that happens, and I, I'm I'm lucky as well. My uh, Kurt and mom love love Ann and Brooks look forward to them coming to LA to see the kids so they can be with them. Anna Brooks live at my parents' house when they come into town. That's great. <laughs> that just helps oh, everything. Yeah. It just makes it, it all right. You know, and yeah, it it's great. Um yeah, so my mom and, and Michelle's mom trade books and give each other recommendations on things and uh Michelle's mom reads like a book an hour and uh my mom's more in my camp where that book will sit there, gather dust, 
Mm-hmm. You put the you put the little front leaf on mm-hmm. the hardback in to mark your place, even when you're only eight pages in, and then it yeah. just sits there. And and yeah, my dad was a reader. I mean, biographies and learned about the world and history and everything else. Yeah, and I'm just reading bullshit. In fact, I have a game tonight, so we're gonna we're gonna wind this down. And uh, okay, well, you do read the New York Post. I do read the New, but it's all on my phone. Is I'm like okay, you know, about I'm reading my, Undaunted uh, Courage right now, which is the story of Lewis and Clark, which is like a thousand page book, but it's incredible. The story, yeah. Well, good for awesome. you. Awesome. Good for I you. Do, I do some sophisticated stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Where are they go, on their journey right now? Are they? Uh... Oh, it's the beginning. You know, we're just getting into Clark. We were with Meriwether Lewis, his life, sort of how he grew up, his relationship with Thomas Jefferson. You know, he lived in the White House with Thomas Thomas Jefferson for a while. So I'm getting into, got into his life, his upbringing. And then now I'm into Clark, so you know, it's it's long, man. It's big. Who seems uh, who seems like the kind of guy you would want to hang out with more, Lewis or Clark? I think I'm going. I think I'm more of a Clark guy. I think I'm more of a Clark guy. Okay. Well, you know? I'm going to read this, and I'm going to see. Maybe I'll I'll be Lewis. I'll be I'll be in the Lewis team. Lewis. Well, maybe we can do a a a. a a series, a TV series that you and I play Lewis and Clark. Okay, yeah. Um, here's the book <laughs> I'm I'm supposed to be starting with my friend uh, Ryan. We're doing a makeshift kind of book club, Breakfast of Champions oh, by Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, dude, yeah, I have that book. That's that is so funny. That's a book that I I have read. You know, it like 35 pages. It's really good. It's like staccato, though. It's sort of all over the place. Yeah, and, I've read a few pages, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, it's like your brain is, you got to get used to it, and, and then it kicks in. Okay. You know you know what book I just got? Then I'm going to let you go. Um, Quantum Golf. I was recommended by like one of these pros out here. He goes, it's an old school book, but it's an amazing book to read that will change your game. So... Written by Stephen Hawking, who who wrote Quantum. Golf? I don't know. I don't know. I just I got I went on Amazon and I bought it. It looks like it's from like the twenties. I was like, fuck it, buy now. Let's see what let's see what's doing. Have you started because I'm obsessed. It? I'm obsessed again, dude. It's it's crazy. Like I'm I'm I've lost. I've I've gone to the I've gone to the deep end again. Oh, with golf. Guess what you get tomorrow? No, everything but the irons. You get the wedges, the bag, and the Jordans. The irons have What's not come. What's up with these irons? Huh? That's all right, dude. I love you. Um, well, go do your thing. Go prepare. Two weeks on the road. Clayton Kershaw going tonight. Kershaw. He's on the bump. I'm going to do the entire game in cliches. <laughs> Here we are in the catbird seat, sitting down, looking at Clayton Kershaw up on the bump. It's a beautiful day here in Arlington, Texas, and the first pitch, pop foul, strike one. Very good. You know he's a lefty, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was going to make sure you know that. Thank you. Yeah, he's a lefty. Um, all right, well, maybe I'll ask for, uh, maybe I'll ask for a little uh, something to say on the air tonight. Yeah, sure. You can ask me anything. You know what we should do? Do you have a game? Yes. Do you have a game on Thursday? Yes. Why don't we do this for the audience? 
That'd be fun. Yeah. Right? What what words should we do? So just in case, you know, I, I love to text Joe during football and baseball. I'm like, say this. See if you can work this in. And then when my family's around during playoffs, especially, Kurt's like, see if Joe can say this. And nine times out of ten, he, he works that shit in, and it's pretty impressive. So what if we, you and I, come up with a word for the audience so they can listen? If they listen to this, then they, if they're watching the game, they will know that this is a nod to our fans from Daddy Issues. Um, I will do <clears throat> an entire sentence of verbal crutches. <laughs> No way. <laughs> Can you do you think you could work that in? Oh yeah. Look, John by the way, this is a guy who <laughs> Dude, will you do that? <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. All right, let's leave with that. Everyone watch baseball Thursday night. And look for the sentence of verbal verbal crutches from Mr. Joe Buck. And that will be an homage to you guys. I will do it in inning number five. Okay, good. Perfect. Perfect. Um, all right, sexy. Okay. Uh, you give my love to Aaron and you give Brooksy my love to Anne. Michelle and the babies. I can't. They won't talk to me. Oh, yeah. Well, when they talk to you, let them know that I say hello. Okay. Thanks, all Ollie. Right, Bye. Bye, Joe.